All right. All right. Danny Brassel, welcome to the show. Excited to have you on. Thank you for joining us. Thanks so much for having me, Jeff. And more importantly, thanks for all that you do to spread joy around the world. I really appreciate you. That's, uh, that's, what, we, uh, that's what we work to do here. And so in our pre-show, as we were getting kind of warmed up, you know, I, 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 you know, I have to say to my amazing producer, Chris, at Cast Ahead, and if you need anything podcasting, he's the guy to go to. Danny's already said as much, putting words in Danny's own mouth, but he did say it in the pre-show. But I, Chris, we can never change Brandon Brittingham's comment at the end of our, our intro, where he says, there's nothing, you know, it, you need to be humble, but there's also nothing wrong with stepping into your superpower. And in, and in our pre-show, we were talking about Danny's history and education and how he helps people get excited, especially students and kids. If you're a parent and you have a kid and they're struggling with education, or you're a leader in the workplace and you need people to be more engaged, we're talking about his educational experience and all of his skills and passions and ways he wraps all that up together to, uh, to help people. And we got on the topic of education and where somewhere in our society... We've created this thing of only college graduates can succeed. And so through that intro, those with superpowers without the college degree were Josh Wilson, who has a fantastic canine off the leash training company and franchise. You know, and again, this is not to denigrate college. It's to put spotlight that it's not the only way to succeed. Dante Smiley as a trainer and professional wrestler. Um, real, there are numerous real estate realtors and investors. Uh, Steve Schaubecker as a tactical self-defense gun shop owner. James Emerson were the roofing company. Lori Ram with commercial cleaning, just to name a few. And it's it's that superpower stepping into something that you know may not be on that assessment in grade school where you take the quiz and it says, well, you're going to be a garbage man, right? It may not be those kinds of things or it may not be, well, you're going to be a professor or you're going to be a doctor. But people find their lane and you said joy. They find something that brings them joy and it might not be the conventional thing. So Danny, with all that said, I'm going to pass it over to you to kind of pick up in your view of, let me ask you this question to start. I think a lot of employers, some employers are struggling in the workplace with maybe newer, younger folks that they're hiring and finding ways to engage them. Where's that coming from? How, do, how can we maybe help them uh, pick up a couple things in our time today? No, that's a good question, Jeff. Thank you for that. So I like, uh, there's a quote by General Eric Shinseki, who was the first uh, Asian-American uh, four-star general and army chief of staff. And he said, if, if you don't like change, you're going to like your relevance even less. And uh, that's what I would tell those people that have uh, a, a new workforce. We have to learn how to go with the flow. I've been working with a lot of schools lately that are freaking out about artificial intelligence and chat GPT. And I, I basically tell them, well, you can either put your head in the sand uh, or you can embrace it because I guarantee you the kids know about it. And I think when used properly, it's a very powerful tool. And that's basically everything. Um, it's, it's kind of where humans always go. We always go for the lowest common denominator first, but I'm like, but there's also positives from all these things if you train people in the right way. I mean, I, I, you had mentioned my mission is to, to bring joy back into education in the workplace. And I do that in four different ways. First of all, I speak all over the world, at least a hundred days a year to uh, schools, organizations, companies. Uh, secondly, I have the world's top reading engagement program, which in just over two months shows parents how to get their kids to read more, 
read better, and most importantly, to love reading. Uh, third, I work with executives and entrepreneurs uh, just like you, uh, create powerful presentations that get their audience to take the next step, whether that's to purchase their product or to invest in their idea or to donate to their cause. And then finally, uh, because of the pandemic, I was able to uh, meet up with a, a great gentleman from Ireland, Dermot Hudner, who runs a company called CyberSmarties, which is basically a social media platform for kids ages 5 to 12 that teaches kids how to use social media in a positive way because nobody ever taught anybody how to use social media. Yeah, so the way it Yeah, it's great. So the way it works, Jeff, is let's say I type a message to you. I say, Jeff, I think you're ugly. It won't let me send the message. Instead, it says, that's not a nice thing to say to Jeff. Here are some nice things you could say to Jeff. And it actually frustrates kids so much that it slows them down that within three days on average, within three days, the kids stop sending negative messages. And this program has basically single-handedly eliminated cyberbullying in Ireland. Now the program's in India, UAE, Turkey, New Zealand, and now I'm in charge of North America spreading it across the United States, Mexico, and Canada. I mean, that's isn't that cool? It's pretty incredible. cool. Incredible. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, so I, I'm sorry. Everything is basically just habit formation, positive habits. That's why right. the listeners here. I mean, this is a positive habit. You know, uh, so many mm-hmm. people waste their time. I have a friend who's a time management expert. And I always give him a hard time. I'm like, there's no such thing as time management. There's priority management. Harvard did a yep. study a hundred years ago. They only had 24 hours in their day as well. It's how do you use your time? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, man, you touched on so many things that, you know, I know Chris is in the background. He's like, oh, I know Jeff's going to pick up on this. I know Jeff lit <laughs> up with that. Um, so we, we touched on AI. Let, let's, let's pick up where you left off with the cyber smarties thing. You know, because education, uh, it, it, local education, I work locally in our school district too. I feel help. Some may not think that way and that's okay. Um, but I know, I know I can point to positive change that's been made and continues to be made. And so I sleep well at night for those reasons. <laughs> and, um, so to share with our listeners in case they hadn't heard it, you know, my son, my oldest boy in, uh, 10th grade and ninth grade was really just having a problem and with school and with the path he was on and wasn't that book kid and, and reached a point where he was just mentally exhausted and came to us, uh, with suicidal thoughts. And, and for mom and for me and his mother, my wife, we were, pretty shocked at that. It was, it was that emergency moment. And so it's important that you understand where, where your kids are at. Maybe it's not with the educational course material like it was with my son. Maybe it is that cyberbullying. For these reasons, I tune in to a lot of different forums. One of them is on Reddit. The teacher's forum on Reddit is fantastic. If you have anything to do with education, even if you're just a parent with kids in school, it's a good insight to see what your teachers are facing because they face a lot. And that cell phone thing is is incredible. And you know, our superintendent, who's fantastic, he brought up a very good point to me. When we were in school, you know, the bullying stopped at the bell for the last day. Now it's 24-7. So that cyber smarties, let's let's dig into that because I find that incredible. And you know, if it, it if in fact can end that that habit in three days, boy, that's tremendous. And it is life-saving because you hear these tragic stories of kids that uh that choose to do terrible things either to themselves or to others. So let's pick up there. Cyber well, Smarties. Before more- I talk about Cyber Smarties, I really did want to compliment you and your wife, Jeff, because I hope all the listeners caught that was that your son found comfortable enough to share 
that with the two of you. And that's basically what saved his life was that mm -hmm. he could count on his parents. I, I, I emphasize this to parents all the time. I mean, you know, <laughs> my pastor has a great saying. He's like, uh, you have the greatest home field advantage in the history of the planet. You could be the worst parent ever, but your kid doesn't know it. To them, your mom or dad. And being able to have mm -hmm. that relationship with your son is so important. And, uh, you know, the world's just been through a nightmare these last couple of years with the pandemic. And it's really important that we communicate with one another. So kudos to you. I, I, I just think that's oh, fantastic. Um, in terms of cyber sororities, you're absolutely right. I mean, when you and I were kids, uh, you know, we get beat up by the bully at school, but we could always run home. Now those bullies are all over the place, uh, saying negative things. I mean, frankly, I wish this program existed for adults. Adults need to start learning, uh, their manners again. Yeah. You know, people, yep. it drives me nuts in this country. People need to learn how to be able to disagree without being disagreeable towards one another. You don't mm -hmm. have to make each other sound like demons just because you disagree. Uh, and cyber smarties, there are so many possibilities for this, Jeff. I mean, um, I had a meeting with UNICEF about a month ago. And one of my goals is that every kid in Africa and basically every developing country, I want them to have a solar powered cell phone where they would be able to have access to this. One of the things that we have on the CyberSmarties platform is every day we ask how the kids are doing. Well, for UNICEF, I said, well, we could ask the kids, have you eaten breakfast today? Because the thing about kids is they're very honest. And we could find out if if there's a lot of kids in a village that aren't getting, um, they're not eating breakfast, then UNICEF would know which village to send food to. But let's look at it mm. in America. We have the data where we're asking kids, how do you feel today? And the kid can say happy or sad or angry. And then we send them videos that show them, you know, well, if you're, if you're sad, here's some things you could do, uh, in order to, to be a little bit happier. But think about that. We have the data and we can share this with police departments. If a school has a lot of kids that are saying they're angry, we're not going to tell you which kids because we don't have access to that. We just have the general class data, but. Think about that. We can work hand in hand with police departments and say, we need to do something with this school because there's a high anger level. I think that there's a great way that we can prevent these school shootings, which have been, you know, traumatizing America. It's, it, this is one of the points I make to people. We've actually lost more students in school shootings this year. This year, we're, we're only in the month of June. We've lost more students in school shootings this year than we've lost. American troops abroad in hostilities the last three years combined. I mean, that's a ridiculous wow. statistic. Um, and I, I just don't think that we should be living in a society like that. And again, people can have different points of view. I completely encourage that. I, I used to tell yeah. my students, I'm like, hey, I'm here to teach you how to think, not what to think. I think it's really healthy to be around people that disagree with me. But when we start to chastise people and say, hey, well, you know, you're a bad person because you don't believe the same thing. We're like, well, what, what? that's not education. Education is challenging yourself and, and education is changing your point of view over time. I mean, yep. I hope to God, I'm a 50-year-old man. I hope to God I have different viewpoints than when I was 20. <laughs> that's right. What, of course. That's what we should all be doing. <laughs> so I'm sorry, I'm covering a lot of ground. That's Long answer to no, your question, no. Jeff, but this is important to, to society right now. Yeah, no, it is. You know, so the, I, I'll say it this way, but I don't know what's the right word. The tone with what you said about, hey, we, we can gather data using the Cyber Smarties program 
to check the temperature of the school population. And so the tone in education today that I feel I get back would be negative to saying we could engage local police with kids. Because the tone is that I get. And if I'm wrong, I can be called out on it. And that's okay. Like you said, we can disagree without being disagreeable, mm -hmm. right? I think is your, what you share. So the pushback is discipline is bad. And, you know, the first, the first reaction to evolve police would be bad. That's the tone that I take uh, or uh, that I hear. Mm -hmm. um, I personally don't feel that way. Um, I think it's a mix. So that data could also go to administrators. It could also go to school counselors. Yeah. Right. It, it could be, hey, in this building, we're seeing a spike. And maybe that building can understand why. Maybe there was, you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe something locally happened that has people frustrated, kids frustrated. Right. So what a powerful tool, though. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, to, I just to, see that there's so help. many possibilities for it, Jeff. I mean, there's, just ways to really help out kids. Uh, it's all about habit formation. This is my entire reading program is the same thing. Is I, I'm like, well, reading is a skill. It can be taught. You know, just like mm -hmm. being an entrepreneur, like you were taught, you've, you've established positive work habits where you, you have your routine. And this is all we have to do to teach kids uh, positive routines. Instead, we always focus on the negative. And it's kind of like, where I'm different when, when I'm working with entrepreneurs, there's all kinds of speaker coaches out there and that's great. But this is the point that separates me is I was just judging a speaking competition, 1300 speakers, not a single funny speech. And oh, wow. It was that's hard for the Jim Carrey with a PhD to hear. Well, and I'll tell you why. So here, I'll, I'll tell you three reasons why it's very important to me to be positive and add humor to things. I mean, first of all, I point out to people, the world just, suffered a pandemic globally for the last right. two years. I think people need hope right now. I don't think people need to hear about, you know, your uncle touching you when you're seven. And I mean, I'm not trying to put that down, but it's like, I'm, si I'm sick of hearing everybody's sad tales because all of us have them. So that's the first thing. Second of all, I point out to people, do you really want to tell that same story a thousand times? I mean, I have a friend and his daughter was murdered in a school shooting. And he's given mm. that speech over a thousand times. I don't know about you, Jeff. You have to be a stronger human being than me to talk about the worst day of your life a thousand times. And then third, and this is where people get really angry with me. My job, when I, 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 I feel my responsibility is to give people the hope. Hope. I, I like to get people laughing. I can tell the same joke again and again. And I have a very noble intent. It's to get you to laugh, to smile, to feel good. I think when you keep on telling that same sad story again and again, by the 20th time, those are crocodile tears. It's very inauthentic to me mm. after you keep on repeating it like that. And that's where I have the biggest problem with a lot of these, you know, I watch at least 10 speakers a day and everybody, and I'm not saying it's not an effective sales technique. It is. I know it's a very effective. There's plenty of data on that, but I prefer to give people the light rather than the darkness. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, no, I mean, there's certainly, and, and I think you would agree, there's, there's, there's place for it all. It's, it's your preference and it's where you shine and it's where you can deliver, which is that superpower, right? That's stepping into your own superpower of laughter and humor and joy. And, uh, what a great thing to know and to acknowledge. Um, you know, 
the, the cyber smarties thing's really cool. I, I just so hope for you that that becomes everything you know it can be because what a change it'll make. It'll be such a positive change. Yeah, once we get it, it, it really what's going to happen is because even though we have data from around the world, America always has to be America. Oh, well, has it worked in America? And so basically uh, this next year, we'll, we'll start getting it into schools here in the United States. And believe me, Jeff, once, once a couple of schools show the effectiveness of the program, all of a right. sudden state will adopt it, every state will adopt it. And it's, it's a positive thing. I mean, you know, I've been in education for a long time and I've seen lots of wasted money. Uh, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll give you the biggest waste of money in this country. Standardized testing costs this country about yes, five sir. billion. Yeah, that's about $5 billion a year. If it was up to me, I would eliminate all standardized testing and I'd reinvest that money in school counselors, librarians, PE teachers, music programs, art programs, field trips. I swear, Jeff, we figure out whatever kids like and then we eliminate it from the school curricula and we, we find out whatever they hate and we make it a mandatory part of the system. Yep. And this is where you and I pre-show, we're having a great conversation about your son. I, I was being interviewed last week by a, 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 an anchor woman and she, she asked me, well, Danny, what do you think? Charter schools or public schools? And my answer was yes. And she said, well, what right. do you mean? I'd say, well, for some kids, it's charter schools. Some kids, it's public schools. Some kids, it's private schools. Some kids, it's homeschool. Some kids, it's a vocational school. I mean, you and I had a great conversation. Yep. I, I believe that we sorely miss the boat on vocational training in this country. I think there is nothing wrong with vocational training. And there's so many kids that were, I mean, you and I are readers, Jeff. I read biographies of successful people all the time. And there's one thing that always strikes me about their biographies. They have one thing in common. Almost all of them dropped out of school. And that freaks me out. I'm like, well, what are we doing wrong in the school system? How can we embrace yeah. that kid and figure out how to develop a, a curricula that meets the needs of that kid? Now, it's tougher. I'll tell you right now, it's a lot tougher to individualize. I mean, I've always had at least 33 students in my classroom. And what that means is I have 33 different learning methods. And I have to figure out right. what gets all the kids turned on all the time. And this is all age levels, whether they're kindergartners or high school students. Uh, you know, and this is... This is the challenge, and I really appreciated how you were talking about uh, uh, being able to empathize with the teachers because, man, we're losing teachers left and right. We're losing administrators left and right. People don't know the statistics in this country right now. I, I'll tell you just some dire stats. Mm -hmm. You know, Idaho last year went to a four-day school week because they can't get teachers to work five days a week. If right now oh, the wow. Texas legislature to, to go to four days. Oregon pass the law. You don't even need a bachelor's degree anymore to teach. They're so desperate for teachers. I mean, uh, there's one major, I'm not going to talk about this school district, but there's a major metropolitan school district right now that has over 2,000 teacher openings. Right now, the uh, class ratio is uh, 73 students per teacher in that district. Yeah, I mean, that's just it's crazy. Getting done there. You're losing teachers left and right. You're losing education. And then you have the politicization of school boards and going after uh principals and superintendents. It's ridiculous. Uh, and I, I don't understand what happened. Like, we need to all figure out, okay, we can agree to disagree, but let's, let's, let, I think we can all focus on, hey, kids are important. Let, let's yeah. figure out what's best and let's figure out what's best for each kid on their own. Every kid's a little bit different. And um, <laughs> the sooner people figure that out, the better. <laughs> That's right. And, you know, to uh, to continue the conversation, 
you know, you touched on a few things that I think that are definitely appropriate to business, to business owners, to managers, uh, people that manage sales teams or any team of people. You know, when you're a teacher in a classroom with 33 kids and you got 33 different ways to teach that lesson, or at least ways that it'll be grasped, little different tweaks. Well, those habits carry through to adulthood and into the workplace. So you have to be mindful of that. And maybe and we'll, we'll touch on that in a little bit, like how, how business owners can, um, you know, when they're, when they're getting their point across about the big sales event or the new program or the new product or service, like you got to communicate it out to everybody that's on the front lines and on the back lines and in support because they're all going to hear it just a little different. Well, they're all going to see how this is important. Different. Yeah, I, I think that's the important, the, the important word, the important phrase for every uh, leader to, to uh, think about when they're talking to their team is, why does this matter to you? <laughs> right. <laughs> it might matter to the leader, but if uh, the guy down at the bottom doesn't see any benefit to him, then you're, you're, you're wasting your time. So if you look at the most effective leaders, I mean, there's a, I, I love studying leaders in, in business and politics and the military and sports. You know, you look at, uh, uh, I'm a huge, uh, football fan, professional football. I love college football too, but, uh, pro football, the San Francisco 49ers several years ago, they were, they won three games and lost 13. And then the next year they hired Jim Harbaugh as their coach. He took the exact same team and they made it to the NFC championship. They totally reversed the record from three and 13 to 13 and three. Well, wait a yeah. sec. What happened there? You had the exact same personnel, but you had a different approach to leadership. You look at um, one of my favorite books is Team of Rivals by Doris Kearns Goodwin about President Lincoln. I mean, I think every leader needs to read this book. This is a true story. <laughs> president Lincoln, when he was elected president, he took all of his political rivals and he made them his cabinet. This is not an exaggeration. It would be the equivalent of President Biden naming Donald Trump his Secretary of State. This is exactly what President Lincoln did. And all these guys hated Lincoln's guts. And by the time he was assassinated, they were all inconsolable. They're like, we've lost the greatest leader ever. Right. One of my favorite quotes of all time is from President Lincoln. He said, I know the best way to defeat my enemies. I shall make them my friends. Wow. I, I need to surround myself with thinkers like that. And so that's why I'm a reader is I'm always trying to find who are these people? What are they thinking a little bit different? That's, that's amazing to me. Yeah. No, love that. And love that quote. And we've got actually the book you referenced, Team of Rivals, is up oh. on the screen. Thanks to Chris. You can nice. check it out there and, and grab it if you're so inclined, which you should You're right. Chris is amazing, man. <laughs> He's on the spot. He's got it. He's got it. Um. No, so I mean, yeah, have have that mindfulness that, you know, just as your kid might be a different learner in school and you've advocated for that child, as I did with mine, like our school at the time, uh, the, 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 the superintendent, his theory of education at the time was very college focused. And we had to fight hard to get our son into vocational training career center at 10th That's grade because they really only wanted that in like 11th, maybe 12th grade. Getting him in 10th grade, I feel saved his life. Yeah. Uh, I've said that before. And so, and now we've got a young adult that's out there finding his way. He's in management, um, where he's working now and, uh, it's all really great and he's finding his way. And, and I'm sure secondary education will be in his future here soon. Uh, a new girlfriend who's very focused on her college career in biology, double major biology and chemistry. I think she'll rub off, uh, 
on his mindset a little different than maybe mom or dad can, but it's, he's not going to go for that. He'll go, he'll go back for maybe for some more carpentry training, maybe for some more construction machinery training. Um, right. We'll see, but he's being productive in, in, in finding his way in life at his pace. And it's a good pace because we're behind him and supporting him and, and that's all good. And I think we need to learn that, that it's not the same success recipe for everybody. As leaders, we got to extract that success level from people, right? Isn't that the goal of what we should be doing as leaders? Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing I see in reading. I mean, the reason that most, well, I'm not going to say it. The reason a lot of kids don't like to read is because they're forced to read certain things. And I'm not going to put down literature. I mean, you know, literature is great, but reading doesn't just mean Dostoevsky. Reading can be Sports Illustrated. You know, right. uh, like, think about your son. He might not have been interested in reading a John Steinbeck novel, but if you gave him a carpentry handbook, he may have just devoured that. Well, he's still attacking all those reading skills that he needs to pick up. You know, how yep. many PhDs do we know who don't know how to operate the remote control because they couldn't read the manual because it's technical uh, instruction? I mean, mm -hmm. this is one of the things I, I, I think is absurd. I mean, when was the last time Anybody that's watching right now, when was the last time your boss told you at work, hey, I need you to read this novel by tomorrow? No, it's, it's something that only exists in an academic environment. And again, I'm not putting it down. I think literature is fantastic. But I mean, when I was in right. high school, I remember uh, a teacher uh, made us read The Scarlet Letter by Nathaniel Hawthorne. And no offense to the people that love Nathaniel Hawthorne out there, uh, you know, but basically the book is about Hester Prynne commits adultery and she's forced to wear an A on her chest. And I raised my hand and I asked my teacher if I could wear a B on my chest because I was so bored reading that. Different strokes for different folks. I mean, I, when yeah. I taught second grade, I had a little boy. I, I, I've spent most of my career in uh, South Central Los Angeles teaching in the inner city. And I had okay. a little boy, Tiara. And Tiara was a second grader of mine. And Kiara's first grade teacher told me, Kiara don't know nothing. Like, well, thank you for that. Well, Kiara, who don't know nothing, comes into my classroom one day, Jeff. He's like, hey, Miss, B this is a long time ago. He's like, hey, Miss Bissell, you see Barkley last night? He had 18.16 boards. I'm like, thank you, Kiara. Because from that day forward, every day after lunch, I'd sit Kiara on my lap. We'd read the LA Times sports page together. And guess what? By the end of the year, Kiara was one of my best readers. You know, yeah, you I found mean, the hook. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think schools do an adequate job of teaching kids how to read. But the question I always ask people is, what good is it teaching a kid how to read if they never want to read? I teach yeah. kids why to read because I've never had to tell a kid, go watch TV. I've never had to tell a kid, go play a video game. I never want to have to tell a kid, go read. I want them to choose to do it because they think it's fun on its own. And so there's all kinds of strategies on that. That's, yeah. you know. You and I were having this conversation. I mean, I think I'd have to just completely blow up the education system and start from scratch. We have a, a, a well integrated yeah. system out there that's not serving kids in the 21st century. Yeah. No, I, I agree 100%. And, you know, I don't want to make this at all education talk, but mm -hmm. it is appropriate. It is, it's part of our society. It's, it, you know, listen, the kids in school now are going to be taking care of me. Yeah. I need that. I am not afraid to say that as a selfish interest. Uh huh. I'm not afraid to say it. Absolutely. You know, right. Now, listen, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I manage my own wealth and my own plans. I say that kind of facetiously, but at the same time, 
you know, we need the people behind us, the generations behind us to be a functioning part of our society because we'll need things to happen in society that people have to do and they have to be capable and they want to, they have to want to enjoy that and they have to want to be a part of this. We just can't have a certain, at a certain point, a generation check out and then no one checks back in. You know, you talked about reading and ways to engage in reading. I think the single best thing for me in reading was getting to know Howard Berg. Do you know Howard Berg? No. He's fastest speed reader. Oh, yeah. I've seen him on TV. Yeah. Yeah. So he, like back when the Affordable Care Act came out, he was the guy on all the cable networks just reading it, like just <laughs> 8,000 pages. He's like, he did oh, something probably great. no member of Congress did. <laughs> right. Exactly. But he, he'd be like flying through the pages and he stopped. Okay, that's good. You know, 700 pages. Okay, that's bad. Oh, that's a new tax. Okay, that's, a, that's this. You know, and he was just flying through. And so I got his course. And this is why it pays to invest in yourself. And you have a gift, um, I believe, which a free gift from Danny. Um, oh, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah for, go to for reading. Yeah. As a thank you for everybody bearing with me today, if you go to freegiftfromdanny.com, yep. again, freegiftfromdanny.com, I'm going to give everybody uh, a couple of goodies. First of all, I'll give everybody a, a complimentary e-copy of my book, Read, Lead, and Succeed. This is a book I wrote for a school principal who was trying to keep his faculty and staff positively engaged. So I said, all right, I'll write you a book. So uh, every week I give you a concept, an inspirational quote, an inspirational story, a book recommendation on a book you should read, but you're probably too lazy because you're an adult. So I also give you a children's picture book recommendation, demonstrates the same concept. You can read that in five minutes. And That's I'm also going to give everybody access to last summer. I did a five-day reading challenge online for about 700 parents around the world where every day for five consecutive days for an hour, I'll, I'll give you all kinds of uh, ideas on how to get your kid to read more, read better, and most importantly, to love reading. It's also the basis of my uh, my reading habit uh, program that I use. Uh, that's as a thank you for everybody. But this is wonderful. I love that you invested in Howard Berg. I, I know of uh, Jim Quick is also really good with the brain research on. I, I love his stuff. Uh, but anything. This is why I like your program, Jeff. You're you are facilitating an environment of people who want to get better. And that's what that's all I ever ask of every student. I'm like, don't compare yourself to others. I mean, Teddy Roosevelt said, comparison is the thief of joy. The only person you should compare yourself mm -hmm. to is the person you were yesterday. Are you better today? And so uh, I, I completely uh, agree with you. Go out, everybody out there, get, get, invest in yourself, invest in courses like Howard Berg's course, Jim Quick's course, anything that can make you a little bit better. It's why I listen to podcasts. I mean, yeah. I, I was watching a horrible show on TV the other day called uh, The News, and it just totally depressed me. <laughs> Doesn't help me at all. I have an uncle who doesn't watches it. He watches cable news 24 hours a day. And I asked him recently, I'm like, Oh, did President <laughs> Biden ask you, uh, for any consulting help? He's like, No. And I'm like, Oh, I thought that's why you watch the news all the time because you're, <laughs> there's no point. I mean, all it's right. going to do is make you miserable. You're going to see, Oh, there's a war here. There's a kid missing here. You know, this politician's rotten. You know, it's, it's never positive. So get, yeah. Focus on solutions, not problems. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I agree 100%. You made me laugh about the news. Yeah, it is a terrible program. Uh, the reason I brought up Howard, the reason I brought up your gift. So, you know, investing in yourself. And, and listen, for some people, dollars and cents just may not make sense at the moment. 
I get that. We understand that. That's why people who like Danny, who are great, we do put out stuff to help. Like I have my Main Street Masterclass. I don't even ask for name and email. I just put it out there because I want people to have it. So when I go on shows, that's my gift. And that's a way you can invest in yourself. We've got supercomputers in our, you know, in our hands here and our cell phones. Use it for more than social media. But the biggest thing I took from Howard, because I was not a reader at all. I remember having to read through Lord of the Rings, which is a good book. It's, a, you know, for middle school, high school, I think it was eighth grade or ninth grade. Mm-hmm. No. I mean, anyway, I wasn't all that interested. Mm-hmm. And I kind of thumbed my way through it and I just kind of picked out parts and pieces. I do Howard's course and I realized what I was doing was picking out, as he would call it, the scheme of the visuals. And I was getting the highlights. And now I, I, I take books on airplanes and people will look at me like I've got three heads. <laughs> Read three books on an airplane from, you know, Baltimore to Texas, which is a routine trip for me. And um, so that speed reading program was fantastic for me. Now, maybe that's not for you. Maybe there's another style. Maybe there's another way. Maybe you'll get great tips from Danny. I hope you'll get great tips from Danny, and I'm sure you will. But yeah, being interested in furthering your education in life and expanding what goes in your brain is all very, very important. Well, you're right. I mean, it's like this thing. You, you talked about this supercomputer all of us have in our hand. Most people waste their time on social media figuring out what the Kardashians are doing. But I always mm-hmm. point out to students, I'm like, this, when used properly, can be a very strategic tool. So I give myself uh, update reminders every single day on my calendar. And so I'm, I'm one of these bad Christians that never like memorize scripture. And so I'm always trying to learn... <laughs> Uh, new pieces of scripture. And so, right. uh, so like every day now at 4.08 PM, I have an alert to learn, um, uh, Philippians 4.8, which is, uh, I'm still learning it. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Okay. I'm getting it. Um, you know, when I read the book, uh, uh, Dune, uh, I was interested. They have a thing called the litany against fear. And so every day at 9-11, I get an update to learn the litany against fear, which is I must not fear. Mm-hmm. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is a little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. I will permit it to pass over and through me. I, I, I'm still learning that one. Um, you know, I got married on December 20th. So every day at 1220, I have a, a reminder to tell my wife I love her. I mean, so basically what I'm doing is I'm I'm using this as a strategic very cool yeah you know um (laughs) but i like that yeah the problem in school is we're telling kids what is right to read i'm like there's nothing that's right to read i mean the research is very clear on this it doesn't matter what you read what matters is how much you read it doesn't matter if you're reading james joyce or james and the giant peach people who read more read better i mean going on those Mm -hmm. flights all the time from uh baltimore to texas that's wonderful i love that i commend you for that that's a I get most of my best reading done on airplanes. It, it drives me nuts when I see a person next to me. They have nothing to read. I'm like, are you just going to stare at the back of a seat for three hours? No wonder uh, society's going yeah. down the... <laughs> yeah. Well, and, you know, you brought up the Kardashians and they're often the butt of jokes. Uh, pun, but Kardashians, butt of jokes. Maybe not that good of one. But anyway, they're often the butt of jokes. But so... So the thing that I feel we're not doing as a society, now whether this is in a school desk or as an adult, making them the butt of a joke, people aren't asking, why are they doing what they're doing? Mm. How how have they as a family become a series of billionaires? 
How does that business work? We don't ask those questions because we're not taught how to ask those questions. Yeah. I want to go back to like minute five, the AI conversation, because there's actually record of this out there. Um, I, I spoke at our school board meeting about how I felt that bedrock of education was shifting under our feet because of AI. Mm-hmm. And what prompted that statement, and again, again, it wasn't, um, it wasn't as much, it wasn't an accusation of doing it wrong. It was a, hey, this is what I'm seeing out front in the entrepreneurial space. So like, so Agora Publishing, which I have some loose connections to through social media, I know that they have uh, largely embraced AI at the expense of junior copywriters. Hmm. Okay, that's a great skill. But I also don't blame the business side of that decision. And so my challenge was that We've got, I think, at best five years before we have totally lost students. And it's happening now. In that, in that teacher's forum that I was referring to off of Reddit, there was a teacher lamenting how movie day used to be an excitement. And I show a one-hour movie and the kids are just checked out. How could that possibly be? They love looking at a screen. Well, maybe the movie was interesting to the teacher, but it had no relevance to the students. Maybe it was that movie that had to be shown because the state uh, DOE says so, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it had no relevance. You know, it, it wasn't that big question. And I think that's, I'll pass this to you. You know, so much of what we've talked about, and I'm just going to plug this, so much of what we've talked about in my, the one coaching group that I helped to lead and facilitate called the Battlefield Alliance, I, we authored this daily battle plan. And so much of it, you'll love this. I, maybe you can see it, maybe not. I'll try to hold it up. 30 minutes of reading or listening actively a day. Perfect, perfect. That's one of the daily habits to stack. An hour of family time without screens, that's another one. My big question of the day, right in the middle, that's another one. And I think, you know, being active in my expansion of my brain and and inputs that I put into it is certainly a success ingredient for me. Habits is one. But asking those questions, the more, the, the more questions I ask, the better they get, the more answers I get. Mm-hmm. So. My, my battery is about to expire here. Uh, I, have a, I have a technical issue right now, Jeff. Give me one Uh-oh. second. I'm, gonna, I'm Go. going to, uh, I'm gonna have to physically take my computer over to it. A... <laughs> so there you this go. This is you a show it. on the go. There you go. You get to see a whole uh, tour of my office. And we will switch from the non-academic to the non-academic background. There we go. This is, this is the uh, not-so-subtle turning point to all business. Here, let me get my, get my, uh, my lighting. There. That's always Danny does that. Yeah. So like for me, I think whatever, whatever it is, and I said, I'll plug the daily battle plan. Um, you know, whatever tool you use, use it. Like I'm indifferent, you know, and some of the folks, um, that, that have gotten that they're like, I just don't have this time in the day. Okay. But you have five minutes, right? Yeah. Start, start with the habit and then expand that time. Absolutely. Uh, Jeff. So my, uh, my reading habit, uh, so my program's called, uh, the reading habit.com. And basically, uh, I give parents a, a five to seven minute video every day for 67 consecutive days. So the, the two numbers I always want people to remember are 67 and 20. 
And so first off, the number 67, a lot of people will tell you it takes 21 days to change a habit. Those people I say, show me the research. I know exactly where the number comes from. It comes from a wonderful book written in 1960 by Dr. Maxwell Maltz called Psycho-Cybernetics. Now, I have an original first prep. Fantastic book. Well, Dr. Maltz was a plastic surgeon. And in the preface of the book, he mentioned that he noticed it took most of his patients about 21 days to get used to their new face. Well, a lot of personal development self-help gurus, Mm -hmm. that I respect, by the way, started telling people it takes 21 days to change a habit. And that number is completely facetious. It's based on no research whatsoever. Well, basically, in 2009, researchers at the University of London did a habit formation study, and they discovered it took anywhere from 18 to 254 days to change a habit, and the average was 66 days. Well, I don't like the number 66, so I threw in a bonus day. 67 days. Uh, And it depends on the type of habit you're trying to change. So, for example, if you want to drink a glass of water before um, uh, breakfast, that might take uh, 18 days to make that a habit. But if you want to quit smoking, that's going to take 254 days to change that habit. Here's why this is important to remember, Jeff. Let's say you go on a diet. You follow it religiously for 21 days, but then you fall off the wagon on day 22. Well, you blame yourself. And that's wrong because research shows on average it takes at least three times longer to form a habit. So that's the first number, 67 days. So just over two months for the habit formation. The second number, and you kind of alluded to it, is the number 20. Researchers were looking at patterns among successful students around the world. They wanted to figure out characteristics, and they discovered something which blew them away. It was the number of minutes spent reading outside of school. They looked at the low kids, the average kids, the high kids, the low kids, the 20th percentile, F students, your lowest students. They average less than a minute a day reading outside of school. That didn't surprise anybody. It's probably why they're at the bottom of the class. But the second number did surprise them. The kids in the middle of the class, the C students, 70th percentile, they average 9.6 minutes a day reading outside of school. And so when I'm doing a live training with parents, this is usually when the first parent raises their hand and says, wait a sec, are you saying if I can get my kid to read 10 minutes a day at home, I can take him from an F to a C? That's exactly what I'm telling you. There's a lot of resources for this. But this next number, the final number, really blew people away. The kids near the top of the class, the 90th percentile, A minus students, some of your best students, do they spend three hours a day reading outside of school for fun? No. Do they spend an hour a day outside of school reading for fun? No. The average was just over 20 minutes a day. You said 30 minutes, even better. But 20 minutes a day, my entire program is about getting those kids to read 20 minutes a day. And here's the two things I love to tell people. First of all, the minutes don't have to be consecutive. So you can do two minutes here, three minutes there. And secondly, being read aloud to is just as good as being as you reading on your own. Uh, a lot of people yeah. don't know this. Over half of the Fortune 500 CEOs are dyslexic. I work with a lot of dyslexics and people have to understand that dyslexia is a reading disability, but it's curable just like anything else. Dyslexics tend to process information better with their ears. And so that's the first mm. thing I always tell dyslexics. I'm like, let's get audible books. You can listen to them all the time. Some of your most successful people in society, they're listening to books all the time. And there's the whole history of incredible... I mean, right now you have business people like uh, Sir Richard Branson is dyslexic. Uh, George Washington was dyslexic. Tom Cruise is dyslexic. Uh, you know, it's probably the only time in history that uh, Tom Cruise and uh, Richard Branson and uh, George, George Washington, Washington used in the same the, sense. The Venn, the Venn diagram all yes. lines up. Yeah. Now, so you touched on something there about parents reading aloud to their kids. And, and 
you know, I think if, if, if teachers were tuning in, um, they would be in agreement with a lot. And they'd say the reason we've got these problems is because there is, there is a culpability of poor parenting that exists for some kids, you know, and that is the truth. Um, but it's also true that those things can be addressed. And so I would be remiss to not say what I said about addressing that as a parent, about taking that ownership as a parent. You can't just ship your kids off to school and expect an education. I've seen the last handful of years, I've seen some of the inside, and I'm not impressed. And yeah. Danny, you've said, you've said there's some neat things that need to be changed. And, and that's all true. And it doesn't mean the people in the school are bad. It means they're up against what they're up against. They have their own forces to work with, you know? Uh, everybody's got their own uh, master to please, so to say. But as a parent, it's your responsibility for your children. And you need, and that does start at home. So that reading aloud can, can happen. And it is just 20 minutes a day, you know? Yeah. And this is what I tell people when I'm working with educators. I say, you know, it was either Socrates or Keanu Reeves who once said, you license a fish, a license to drive a car, but any idiot can become a parent. Well, now that I'm a parent, that's been proven true, but in defense <laughs> of parents, nobody gives them a manual at the hospital. And one right. of my jobs as an educator is to help educate parents on some, some simple, strategies that they can do with their kids. So, you know, one of the best strategies I give parents is uh, they'll say, oh, I have nothing to read at my, I'm like, oh, you have something to read at home. I, I, you know, I've always taught in the inner city and people say, oh, I have nothing to read at home. Like, oh, you do though. President Bush Sr. signed a very important law over 30 years ago. It said every single television set sold in America has to have closed captioning. Turn on the closed captioning. And people will say, well, wait a sec. If the show's in English and the captions are in English. What good does that do? I'm like, well, that's, that's one point of view. Let me give you another point of view. Have you ever watched a show with subtitles and not looked at the text? It's very difficult to do. Your brain is actually yeah, annoying. text. For yeah. me, it's annoying. Yeah. And there's actually research to support this. If you look at reading scores around the world, the more kids watch TV, the lower their reading scores are in every single country on the planet, except for one. The country with the highest reading scores watches the most TV in the world. It's Finland. And people say, well, how can that be? And I'm like, well, because Finland makes really bad TV shows. And so what they have to do is they import all these old American sitcoms like Gilligan's Island and Brady Bunch. They have to translate them into Finnish. Wow. The kids are reading all the time. Let's turn on the, uh, the closed captioning. I mean, I have three children of my own, Jeff. And uh, I set the habit very early on when they were young is that I have a feeling TV's here to stay. But I said this earlier. I believe in embracing technology, not ignoring technology. And so I allow the kids to watch television, but the price of admission is they have to bring me something to read. And so when the, when the kids were little, they'd bring me their picture book. We'd read the picture book together, then they could turn on the TV. Now they're all teenagers. And so they'll bring me like their iPad, some um, silly article they found online or whatever. We'll read that together, but we've established a habit and it, it's basic things. I'm never going to teach a parent something. You don't need a PhD to be a really good parent. There's basic things that you can do to help your, your kids uh, get along. And uh, believe me, if they, if they become readers, they're going to be uh, better off no matter what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I love, love everything that you've shared. And I think for those listening, you know, if, if you're the kind of person that needs to hear business entrepreneur, manager, sales leader, replace parent, educator, teacher with your words as a business owner, teacher, or as a business owner, leader, manager, because Create a, create a good habit of pouring back Weird. into your people 
about what they need for skill development. Put that time into their workday. It's just 20 minutes. 20 minutes of focused productivity improvement, that pays itself off in, in spades, right? I, I love that you said that, Jeff. My pastor said the same thing in the Bible. He's like, every time it says, uh, you, you, should, you should always replace you with your name. And it, then you realize God's talking. <laughs> I, thought, mm. I, I watched uh, the movie. I might, I might be the only person ever to have enjoyed the movie Paint Your Wagon with Lee Marvin and Clint Eastwood. It's like their only colossal flop. But there's a great line in the movie where uh, Lee Marvin, he plays a drunkard. And uh, this, this religious woman, she's like, have you read the Bible? And he's like, yes, ma'am. And she's like, did it, did it cure your thirst for liquor? He said, no, ma'am, but it cured my hunger for reading. <laughs> I, I just, and I'm like, that's almost every single boy in every elementary school mm-hmm. classroom being forced to read something he doesn't want to read. I, I tell this to parents, the little boy who only reads Captain Underpants is going to be a better reader than the little boy who refuses to read anything. I mean, Captain Underpants is the gateway drug to Shakespeare, but you got to get the kid hooked first. You know, it's the same right. thing with anything. This is just like, again, with your son, with carpentry, I mean... My gosh, if I found out he was into carpentry, everything becomes about carpentry. But this is difficult. As a teacher, it's difficult to have to individualize curricula for every kid. I mean, I, I'm not saying it's easy by any means, but I am well, saying and, it's more effective. Yeah, and sadly on that note, you know, what's happened is, and, and here's where I've, here's where I've uh, shed some figurative blood, so to say. Um, this is where some parents have caught wind of my child's special. My child deserves this extra attention. So my child gets the IEP plan. Mm. And, and, and in, re- in reality, I think it's a, it's a joint effort in the, in the classroom and in a home that solves the problem. It's that 20 minutes a day commitment that solves the problem. And, and, you know, that might be very cavalier to just say it that way. And this is not in any way, shape or form to say, children who are born with inherent disabilities like autism, which my next door neighbor's son mm. has severe autism and deserve is deserving in our society through our school system of every support and every uh, academic uh, need that he should get. Like I'm all in for that. But, you know, if, it, if it's a simple function of, you know, your, your child just doesn't want to, and you as home don't want to support that to me, that doesn't, that doesn't mandate a federal law, which in essence handcuffs your school district, which you're well aware of, right? Like it really, it really encumbers the district and what they can do and what they can't do. And so it is, it is this community effort of the school and the parents that, that brings this together. It is a community effort of the business owner and the employees, the people on your team that bring the five-star customer experiences out. Mm-hmm. It is all of that coming together. When you focus on what's most important in education, it's the kids and work. It's the customer experience. When you focus on that and you just stay true to it, a lot of problems can solve themselves, right? I'm like a Baptist in your front row saying, amen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so in our, in our time as we wrap up, you know, again, you touched on AI. Are there any things... Because this is something I'm really, uh, I put the I put the chat GPT app on my phone last week. I've been fiddling around with it um, the last month or so. Um, used it a little bit uh, for my book that's forthcoming that'll launch out mm-hmm. in July. 
just to kind of help me move off of the pause when I hit it as I was writing it. Um, you know, for me, I think AI really works when we remember there's still the human element, right? Like I look at AI and the answer AI is going to give you is like Olympic scoring. You throw out the high score and Olympic scoring, you throw out the low score and you take what's down the middle. And it's the human taking that answer and reviewing it and saying, okay, is this appropriate? Could it be said? Mm-hmm. Could I add, enhance, edit, chop up, whatever? That's how I'm looking at AI presently. What are your thoughts and how, how can people use it today? Yeah, I agree with you, Jeff. I think that, uh, again, we need to embrace AI. It's here to stay. And I completely agree with you. Uh, the world, I don't even know if it's going to be five years. It's going to be very drastic here in the next couple yeah. of years. Uh, you're going to say some major changes. The thing with AI that people have to understand is AI is only good as its input. And so you have something like ChatGPT, which is one form of AI, which is great, but it's taking all of its sources from all over the internet. And so, uh, you'll see if you ask questions or whatever, there's a couple of things it does. First of all, uh, it makes tons of grammatical mistakes. Uh, second of all, it also lies. It often just lies. It creates information that doesn't exist. So mm-hmm. I think that's fun. Uh, I, I feel reassured because it doesn't understand humor because I've tried to get AI to write jokes and stuff and it doesn't understand. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I'm oh, wow. the job. Um, but there's all kinds of different types of AI too. I mean, I subscribe. Uh, I have ChatGPT. I have Bard, which is through Google. I have uh, Goody, which is through uh, Armin Marin, who's copywriter. And so his, he created the AI. He only used all the best copywritten material. And so like if you have to write emails or something, it's not taking the email based on the entire web. It's taking it based on the best copywriters in sales. Uh, that's a paid Very cool. app, but there's all kinds of paid apps. I mean, I just read about the famous Hollywood director who just bought a screenplay and the screenwriter had to confess that he fed the five top action films of all time into AI and it created the script. <laughs> I mean, oh, wow. <laughs> which is basically every Fast and Furious movie anyway. Um, but it's fascinating. Right. And uh, again, I, I don't think people should fear AI. I think people need to look at, I mean, when used... Evilly, yes, it, it can be drastic. You see the same thing in social media. You see the same thing in, in the internet. When people are just using these things without any kind of training, yeah, they can be dangerous. I think that uh, education needs to embrace AI and figure out, well, how do we use it to our advantage to help kids? I mean, I'd much rather have kids instead of doing worksheets saying, well, here, here's the AI. Let's come up with some things and let's see how, oh, from the AI, maybe we should create our own website based on this. I mean, make create projects that kids are like excited about or sat. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, there's no, like, I was just with a teacher and I'm like, why are you having this kid write when the kid hates writing? But if you put a movie camera in that kid's hand or an iPhone, the kid can shoot a movie and do the cover every standard that you're trying to cover. But the kid would actually be excited. They'd spend an extra hundred hours of their own free time on it. Cause they're excited about it rather than, you know, school shouldn't stink. Like I, it, right. it bothers me when I see kids that hate school. I'm like, you know, my job every day, I'm like, oh, this is going to be a freaking amazing day. Kids are like, oh, you have no idea all the amazing things that are in store for you. I mean, I want my kids thinking it's like going to tra- Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. Uh, and unfortunately, we don't see that a lot. And I don't blame, again, I don't blame teachers because, uh, you know, the teachers, they have a lot on their plate. It's Anytime there's a problem, we throw it onto teachers' plates. And uh, 
you know, I, I think uh, we need to praise teachers and honor them rather than disparage them. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I agree with that. It's, uh, there's a lot that they have to do. Um, there's a lot that they also get to do. Uh, it's a, it is a responsibility. It's a great responsibility for our society, but that, that respect for that position. Yes, I agree. Yeah, I'll, I'll work with school. School yep. districts will bring me in for two days, Jeff. And so day one, I work with the te teachers. On day two, I work with the administrators. But on the night of day one, I work with the parents because I think you need Ooh. all three of those players on the same page. And that's how you move. Love out. that. Yep. Yeah. That's you, get you know, and I love that you also added the component of the business community too. I, I, I love, I, I'm constantly working with local businesses to figure out, well, what can we do together? You know, that's how you, that's how you change. But instead of just being critical on the sidelines, like be a player. <laughs> exactly. Love that. That's a great, great way to wrap up. Don't be critical on the sidelines. Be a player. Love that. Danny, I've really enjoyed our time today. Thanks for bringing all your best to my show, to my listeners. You can get more from Danny by going to freegiftfromdanny.com. I would definitely recommend you do that. This gentleman knows a thing or two about reading, knows a thing or two about creating good habits for yourself to expand your mind and your success. And he's gracious enough to give it to you for free. And so uh, freegiftfromdanny.com. Danny, really enjoyed our time together. Thank you so much for stopping by the show. Really appreciate you. Thanks for all you do, Jeff. God bless. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And we'll see you uh, next week on The Big Ticket Life, everybody. Take care. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode of The Big Ticket Life. You've heard from another amazing guest living their own big ticket life, and now it's time to live yours. First, I'd love for you to take me up on my free gift to you. Find your gift at gift.thebigticketlife.live. That's gift.thebigticketlife.live. See, all your life you've been told what is and what is impossible by the loudest voices from the cheapest seats. It's time to finally do life and business on your terms. Sure, you've heard similar things, but without clarity on what can be done, it's easy to have your customers, employees, maybe even partners, and your spouse keep you from truly living a big ticket life. My big ticket methods shift you into that investor seat, in your business, away from commodity and away from competition, into a market of one, so you can finally live your own big ticket life. So my gift to you is for you to book your discovery call today where we'll uncover first the Chivo behaviors, those chief everything officer behaviors that hold you back and why moving into the investor seat in your own business is critical. Two, we'll uncover the premium position that's up for grabs right now in your market that you're missing out on. And three, which big ticket methodologies are just waiting to be dropped into your business to explode your sales and profits. So again, thanks for listening to this episode. I'd love for you to take action right now. Accept this gift. Book your call. Go to gift.thebigticketlife.live. Again, that's gift.thebigticketlife.live.